Thank you that it's rich in our hearts. We love you. We love your word. Speak to us through the Bible. Speak to us by your spirit tonight, we pray. And we believe we receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We had people that drove many, many, many miles to get here, got stuck, stuck in traffic for an hour and 15 minutes or so because they were serving. Amen. How many of you know that faithful men and faithful women like that shall abound with the blessings of God? Amen. Let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. I'll be uh, most likely preaching on the kingdom of God on Sunday night as well as we are in this series. And I've got so much material that there's no way that we're going to be able to finish it all up. But in Matthew, the sixth chapter in the 33rd verse, very familiar verse of scripture, Jesus said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. Now, the last part of that verse is conditional upon the first part of the verse. The things that will be added unto us as we all seek first the kingdom of God. Amen. Now, we're not to seek our own. We're to seek him and his things. The kingdom of God is the reign of God. The kingdom of God is where he reigns and he rules. This kingdom that you and I are in is a kingdom of love. It's a kingdom of power. It's a kingdom of joy. It's a kingdom of peace. It's a kingdom of righteousness. Amen. Now in this kingdom, you and I have been given kingdom reign, if you would. Notice with me, uh, And let's, well, let's not go there yet. Let me just read to you verse 33 from the YLT says this, but seek ye first the reign of God and his righteousness. And so we understand this, that he is reigning over his own. He's not reigning over those that are not his own. There's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of darkness. Satan is the small G, G-O-D of this world, right? But thank God Jesus is the king over the kingdom that you and I are in. So when you've made him the Lord of your life, and like we talked about Sunday morning, when you submit yourself to God, when you position yourself under him, when you come in submission to his will, his ways, his plan for your life, you are in a awesome position And an awesome place in him to beginning to rule and to reign in life. Now, Jesus said this. He said, pray that the kingdom of God would come and that his will would be done in earth as it is in heaven. In other words, there's not a separate will for the earth and heaven. It's God's will for everyone to be healed. It's God's will for everyone to have peace. It is the will of God for people to be filled with the joy of the Lord, to be filled with the, with the Holy Spirit. That's the plan of God. Not only that, but it is the will of God for all of his people in earth to prosper. Amen. And so there's not two separate wills. There's not a separate will in earth and a separate will in heaven. Let me ask you a question. How much crime is there in heaven? How about AIDS? 
wars, terrorism, starvation. Now, why is that? Because God is in complete control there. He is in complete control there. And people that will, will say things like, well, you know, God's just got everything in control on earth. No, he doesn't. No, uh-uh. 9-11, he wasn't in control. The uh, murders that took place in that Orlando nightclub at Fort Lauderdale Airport, God wasn't behind that. No, it was the devil that was behind that. And so we need to understand that we've got a big job to do. <laughs> Amen? We've got a big job to do. Praying that the will of God, the will of the Father be done. I mean, right here in Hayward. Right here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Lord, your will be done. Your kingdom come. Hallelujah. This kingdom that you and I are a part of, it is within other people's reach if they will just tap into it by believing. Amen. So Jesus, as we've talked a couple of Wednesday nights already, Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom. He preached the kingdom. We looked at Luke 4. We looked at Luke uh, chapter 8, verses 1 through 9. We discovered that he preached the kingdom of God everywhere he went. And everywhere he went, the kingdom of God was in manifestation. The reign of God, the dominion of God, the will of God happened when the kingdom of God was preached. When he preached repentance, guess what? People repented. When he preached healing, guess what? People were healed. As a matter of fact, many people came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. So what they were hearing evidently was good news. What they were hearing was glad tidings. What they were hearing is this. You don't have to be sick anymore because the spirit of the Lord is upon me because I'm anointed to set you free. Hallelujah. Everywhere that the kingdom of God was preached, kingdom results followed. And these signs follow them that believe. We've got a church full of believers here. When we take the kingdom of God and we preach the kingdom of God just like Jesus did, the simple message, when we go into all the world, guess what? The Lord will work with us. And he will, in fact, confirm the word with what? Signs falling. Well, somebody says, we would never get anybody filled with the Holy Ghost in our church. It could be because you're not preaching about the Holy Ghost. Well, we never have any fire in our church. Well, are you preaching and teaching on the fire? Well, we never see any healings in our church. Well, are you teaching and preaching healing? You'll get exactly what you teach. You'll get exactly what you preach. Why is that? Because the Lord is good and he is watching over his word to perform it. Amen. The word that is heard, the word that is acted upon, and the word that is believed will always bring signs following it. Mm. And it doesn't matter where you are. You can be in, in an igloo in Alaska. You can be down in South America. You can be over in Africa. Wherever the word of God is preached, the kingdom of God shall be in manifestation as people open their heart to it. Amen. Now let's look over at Luke chapter 12. 
Luke, the 12th chapter. And of course, Matthew 6 and Luke chapter 12 are talking about don't worry, don't you know, stress about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, where you're going to live. God's saying, look, I've got you covered. Okay? Now, Luke chapter 12, basically he's talking about the same things. And then I think it's interesting. He says, in Luke 12, he says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So what is Jesus saying here? He's telling us, don't be seized with alarm. Don't be struck with fear, my people, little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure. I mean, it gives him great pleasure to give you and I the kingdom. Now, literally, that word uh, to give you the kingdom, one translation says, fear not, little flock, because your father did delight to give you the rain. He did delight to give you the rain. Amen. He did. He delighted to give you the dominion, to give you the authority that the kingdom of God has made available to us. Now, I want us to look at Matthew, yeah, Matthew chapter 16. And let's look at this verse over in, let me see what verse it is. I don't want to begin in verse 15. I want to begin a little earlier. So let me, let me find it and then we'll, we'll look at it together. Uh, Matthew, the 16th chapter. And um, let's begin in all oh, verse 13. It says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they answered, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then he got more specific. He says, okay, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Simon answered and said, Thou art the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. Simon had revelation of who he was. Now notice Jesus' response to him. And Jesus answered and said unto Simon, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Isn't it a great thing when we receive revelation from the Father? Isn't it an awesome thing when we receive revelation from the kingdom of God? And so Jesus is commending him. And he said, you got this revelation from my father, which is in heaven. Then he's not done. In verse 18, and he says, and I say also unto you that thou art Peter and upon this rock. In other words, Peter, you're a little rock, but on this rock Massive rock of revelation. I'm going to build my church. Now, of course, the Catholics and I grew up Catholic and I love the Catholics. Amen. You want to get Catholics on your side? Talk to them about Mary being filled with the Holy Ghost in the upper room. Amen. You want to get Catholics on your side? Glory to God. Talk about Holy Communion. 
Not maybe in the same way they do, but talk about things in the Word of God that they can hook you on with you. So I'm not putting the Catholics down. Don't misunderstand me. I've been accused of that before. Matter of fact, there's an ugly review on our website about that. Um, but nonetheless, that's neither here nor there. Now some of you are going to go look. Okay. <laughs> if you want to get rid of one bad review out of probably, I don't know how many reviews we got on there. Mish would know. But there's been one bad review on there. If you want to move that lower down, get on there and make a good review. So we, we really don't want some demon-possessed review on there. And that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> he says, you are Peter. And upon this massive rock of revelation, I will build my church. Now, of course, the Catholics think that the church is built upon Peter. But they're missing it. Nowhere... In the New Testament, does it clearly say that the church is built upon a man? The church is built upon the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the revelation of this fact that he is, in fact, the son of the living God. And when a man or a woman like you and me get that revelation, and when people understand that, notice what he said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Aren't you glad to know that the gates of hell cannot prevail against a man or a woman who flows and operates in revelation knowledge? Revelation knowledge is real important. Revelation knowledge is knowledge beyond the intellect. It's knowledge that's revealed to your spirit. Amen. It's an exact intimate knowledge. Now, notice with me in the next verse. In the next verse, he goes on to say, And I will give unto you... The keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So let's talk for a few moments about these keys. What do keys represent? Keys are emblematic of partnership. Keys represent authority. Jesus said, I've got these keys, but I want to share these keys with you. Just like a husband and wife may have keys to an automobile and keys to the house. They share those keys. These are representative of authority. Jesus has given the church a set of keys. Hallelujah. Now listen to what Jack Hayford says about this. He said, the great truth of this verse is that there are two dimensions in which anything is bound up or loosed. There are two dimensions in which anything is bound up or anything is loosed. I like how he says this. He says, one of them has already been accomplished, the realm of the heavenlies or the invisible realm. The other is the visible realm where you and I live and move. The Lord has literally done his part in the invisible realm. Now, what will you do in the visible realm? What will you do with those keys that he's given you? 
What will you do with the name of Jesus? What will you do with the word of God? It's not a question of getting heaven to move. Heaven has already moved. You've got backup in heaven. The will of God is perfect in heaven. Amen? So he goes on to say, whatever you bind on earth is backed up or already bound in heaven. And whatever you release, whatever you loose on earth is already available and loosed in heaven. Now, most people, they have what we might call a no-fault religion. They say things like this. Well, you know, pastor, no matter what happens or doesn't happen, it's just not my fault. I mean, everything is, is, you know, don't you understand, Pastor Mark? It's up to God. Well, that's just a nice way of removing yourself out of the picture and bearing no responsibility. That puts all the responsibility off of oneself over onto God. Now, again, notice verse 19. This is important to get. I know many of you already have it. But in verse 19, again, he said, And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Did he tell us in that verse that he's going to do everything for us? So what do these keys denote then? The keys of the kingdom, they denote the use of privilege, They denote the use of access and also of control. So we understand this, that we have been given keys. The question is, is are we utilizing all that has been given to us? Okay? So he's placed these things, this reign, this authority, this control in our hands. Now, this is a great issue in the body of Christ, whether you, whether you realize it or not. A whole lot of things in life you can do something about. You are not a helpless pawn. We are not to live our life with an attitude of whatever will be, will be. Que sera, sera. You just never know. No, in your life, you have a lot of control. Now, the enemy does not want you to believe that. God's left us so much. Say it with me. I have the keys. keys. Whatever I bind bind. is bound. Whatever I shut down, whatever I I put a stop to, to. heaven backs me up. Whatever I release, whatever I set in motion, with the word of God... And the name above every name is loosed in heaven. Hallelujah. Are there some things perhaps in your life that you need to shut down? Are there some things that perhaps, and I'm just asking, I'm not looking for a show of hands. But are there some things perhaps that you've allowed in your life that God is just waiting for you to shut down? Just waiting for you, if you will, to put your foot down? Amen? Now, one area that the enemy just loves to to run havoc 
in Christians' homes is this area of strife. This area of, um, how can I say it? This area of arguing among one another. This area of, of just being nitpicky with your mate. Or nitpicky with your children. Disharmony and discord. Discord will disconnect you from kingdom reign. And so strife is an ugly thing. How many have ever gotten in strife before? I have. You know, and I'm not currently. And I don't plan on, I don't, I don't plan on being in it anytime soon. But I know how strife feels. And strife is not fun. Anytime that I've held something against anybody, I'll guarantee you I've tossed and I've turned that night. Why is that? Because the Bible says, don't you dare let the sun go down upon your wrath and upon your anger. You know, Brendan and I will be married 40 years, July 22nd here in 2017. Haven't been married as long as the Amarals, but we're working on it. We're Praise the Lord. Old. We're not as old either. And <laughs> I better come over here. There. I'm getting comments over there from the peanut gallery. But as much as I love and respect my wife, and as much as she loves and respects and honors me and admires me, <laughs> as much as that is a reality in our lives, we have things that we have not seen eye to eye on. And when you don't see eye to eye on, how many of you know the flesh gets in the way? And when the flesh gets in the way, guess what happens? The love goes out of the way. And when the love gets out of the way, that gives place to someone said the word discord and the word strife. So when we have come to those points in our life and those places in our life where we know and we recognize this is a not a godly thing happening in our home. This, this strife, this, this uh, whatever it is, is tangible. And the other thing about strife is, is once you open the door... It leads to another and another and another point of argument or disagreement. It grows. That's what Nance says. Amen. So, not to hang my dirty laundry out or your dirty laundry out, but there's something we can do about that. Number one, we've got to recognize it exactly for what it is. It is a manifestation, first of all, of the flesh which opens up the door for the manifestation of evil spirits. Now in James, the third chapter, it says this, where strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. So once strife is recognized, and it it may be in a home, it might be in a relationship with another brother or another sister, it even could be on the job. It could be in, in, a, in a setting that you are familiar with in your life. And strife knocks on the door and it gets in. 
We do not need to put up with that. We must put our foot down. And strife can be bound. Strife can be stopped. We just declare in the name of Jesus, you foul spirit of strife, we bind you, we break your power, not in this home, not in this relationship, not in this church, not on this job. We demand you to come to a screeching halt in the name of Jesus. Now you've been authorized to do that. You have authority and dominion to do that. Amen. Amen. And when, as soon as you do, heaven smiles and heaven backs you up and says, I've been waiting on you to do that. Amen. And so that works even in the local church. You know, there's been people over the years, not recently, but there's been people over the years that said some ugly things about Brenda and I. They don't know our heart. We love them. We forgave them. We released them. Amen. Amen. But anytime a wolf comes into the church, I know it. And I don't specifically deal with wolves head on or face to face, but I deal with that spirit operating through them in the realm of the spirit. And here's what I do. I demand that spirit operating through that person. To bring strife and confusion in our ranks, I demand it to come to a screeching halt and to desist in its maneuvers. Amen. Amen? Yeah. And guess what? Yeah. It comes to a screeching halt. Yeah. And most of the time, those people either leave or they get straightened up. Now, that'll work in a church. That'll work in a business. If that'll work in a church, that'll work in the line at the airport. If that'll work in a church, that'll work on 880. When someone cuts you off and you're tempted in the flesh, I mean, just to. So that's just an example. You've got authority. You've got dominion over that. Now, another area that you can put a stop to is you can put, you can put a stop to sickness and disease. Sickness and disease did not have to run its full course throughout your home. No. I mentioned this Sunday morning, and, and I'll mention it again tonight. January and February seem to be the flu season. And if we allow ourselves to yield to that kind of thinking and that kind of believing, when it comes and knocks on the door of our house, if we don't put a stop on it right away, it can go from one person to the next person to the next person to the next person. Is that the will of God? No. I've never heard of the swine flu. Have you? I've never heard of the heavenly flu. How about you? Amen. That's right. Whatever you bind. Whatever you prohibit. Whatever you stop. Heaven will back you up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. And if you have a problem with running your mouth. You know, people have those problems. The tongue, the Bible says, is a deadly poison. But if you have a problem with running your mouth and, and just talking, talking, talking bad stuff about people. You need to stop that. Look yourself in the mirror and say, no. That's not the Spirit of God. That's not the Spirit of Christ. I choose to walk in the love of God. 
Now, one confession that I've discovered that will help me and help you from running our mouths is found in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. In Ephesians 4, 29, it says this. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good, my goodness, is at that time already. But that which is good to the use of edifying, then it may minister what? Grace, Grace to the hearer. So the next time you're tempted to judge someone that you really don't know anything about, the next time you're tempted to be critical of someone and talk about them, ask yourself, is this ministering grace? Is this ministering life? Or is this ministering death? Say with me, whatever I bind, whatever I prohibit, on earth, God backs me up. Now, this is what we're going we're gonna to get into a little bit Sunday night. One area, and it's a huge area, that we are able to control and have control over. We're able to have control over our mind. Say it with me. My mind, my mind. is my mind. my mind. Your mind is no place for the devil's playground. Yeah, but Pastor Mark, I feel, and I, I just feel this way, and I, I just feel so down, and I, I just feel so depressed. Don't yield to your feelings. Oh, but Pastor Mark, I can't help it. You're wrong. You can help it. It's all about control. I can get a firm grip, and you can get a firm grip on your mind. And on your emotions. As a matter of fact, you can have and I can have as much control over our minds than you do the remote control. How many of you got a remote at home? We've got some professional remoters here. I mean, 5,000 channels. You see something on the remote you don't like, what do you do? You hear something that comes to your soul? Change the channel. Stop thinking. Stop meditating. Stop dwelling on the negative things that come to your mind and switch channels. Open the B-I-B-L-E. Amen? And find you some exceeding great and precious promises. And believe those and speak those instead of believing the lies of the enemy. Oh, I know I'm preaching good right now. What if, what if we were to keep our minds stayed on God all day? What if we were to have a spirit of thanksgiving all day long? I'm talking about from the rising of the sun till the going down of the same. The name of the Lord will be praised. Amen. Amen. Anybody ever had a test? A physical test? The enemy will always give you the worst case scenario. But you will never look in the word of God that says, I don't know if you're redeemed today or not. No, you will always find in the word of God... That you are the redeemed. As a matter of fact, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Amen? 
anything and everything that brings harm and that robs and steals and kills and destroys is not from the kingdom of God. It's from the kingdom of darkness. And you and I can take our place of authority and we can keep those thoughts under our feet. Amen. What if we were to think about our Redeemer all day long? Hallelujah. Raise your hands up right now. Let's proclaim redemption. Amen. Stand up, everybody. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm redeemed. Woo, you're my provider. Amen. I have trained myself not to think about small offerings. And to declare and to see the end from the beginning and what I believe I receive for the whole year. You know, life just goes a whole lot better that way. You know why? Because God's not limited to a Sunday offering. He's not limited to a Wednesday night offering. God's not even limited to the people in this church. He's unlimited. He can bring it in from the north, south, east, and west. And when you stay in the arena of faith and continue to call those things that be not as though they were, guess what? The angels go to work and the angels stay at work. And you know what they do? They are using their influence to bring the money in. You can't figure out in your noodle how God's going to do it, so stop trying. We don't need to lay faith hence. We don't need to buddy up with rich people. What we need to do is buddy up with Jesus. Amen. Buddy up with the Lord and let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Oh man, you get me going right now. I could preach till 10 o'clock, but we're not going to do it. Declare it with me. I've been redeemed. You are my provider. Yeah, you're my provider. Oh, you are my provider. Lord, you are my abundant compensation. Lord, you are my exceeding great reward. Great is your faithfulness. Well, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. His seed will never be out begging bread. Hallelujah. Declare me according to Deuteronomy 28. All sickness, all mental oppression, all strife, all confusion, and all lack is a curse. But thank God, I found me a scripture that says, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Therefore... I confess there is no lack. I confess I'm healed. I'm walking in love. I'm walking in the joy of the Lord. Somebody says, you can't control your mind. You better know you can. And we're going to learn more how to do it on Sunday night. Amen. Praise the Lord. Anybody here needs prayer? We're going to dismiss at this time.